welcome to A Couple of Goons, the podcast where a couple of goons, hey. myself, Neil Payne of 538, and my friend Walter Hickey of Insider, we are goons. Hello. And there's a couple of us, and we talk about <laughs> hockey. And uh, yeah, we talk about the week that was, the week that is, and the week that will be in, in hockey. This is episode three of our quasi new podcast i think it's still fair to say new but uh we're, very, we're just getting new. into it we're getting into it and uh one of the big premises uh of the show for for first time listeners is that walt is literally new to the sport and he is learning uh and and becoming a hockey guy so everything this is, it's this is his journey and, yeah, and neil has Neil has been familiar with the sport his entire life and has, again, like I just cracked open the GitHub that he sent me and has a very sophisticated analysis of what is happening in hockey. Uh, And so, yeah, uh, we have reached our third episode, which I think is a milestone because most episodes of podcasts don't like the second one is usually where people have a head of steam. And then like there's a drop, like we're hitting the drop off of where people won't, you know, proceed with it. But we have hit robustly three weeks three episodes we, we we are on our way to to the promised 10,000th episode of of, of goons yeah so. it's just 10,000 weeks 10,000 episodes uh yeah. there's probably some malcolm gladwell reference to be made in there but we won't do that uh the, the other thing <laughs> is making a podcast per episode like a one uh one episode a week average yes that is like the the point per game barrier in hockey. If, uh, the more the more you follow the stats, you'll know that um, a, a player that scores a point a game is yeah. generally that's like the cutoff for being sort of like a star, uh, or at least uh, the the bare minimum to be considered a star. Um, so I, th- so I think I think that's like the our, bare <laughs> yeah, we're we're a star podcast right now. We're a first line podcast. That's a um, bare minimum star podcast, but we're well, but we're a star podcast. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, there's only so much star power to go around. And um, you know, we it's <laughs> uh, this American ha- life. Like. No, we're not yeah, uh, exactly. Ira Glass is like a, a Hall of Famer. We're just trying to um we're we're trying to be uh adequate. You know, we're newcomers, we're rookies, uh, and and we're even gonna talk about a rookie later in the show. A little uh, little spoiler. A little preview. Who yeah. is the Wayne Gretzky of podcasting? And don't answer that until we're sure that they have not been canceled yet. Oh God. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, we're gonna need a while. Has Wayne Gretzky been canceled yet? I, I think Wayne Gretzky would not be canceled. He's just no. too much of a Canadian gentleman <laughs> for that to happen. Uh, yes. And again, we've been promising this, um, and and we will deliver eventually in a um, in a in a boring week. Our, our yes. Gretzky Gretzky Palooza. I Gretzky Palooza is going to be great because after we talked last week, like we talked a little bit more about like, oh yeah, Wayne Gretzky is very very popular. Uh, and I kept on like writing down questions that came to me over the course of the week about like this man's place in in both history and like culture and all that kind of stuff. And so. You know, honestly, if you are listening and you have questions that you would like to ask Neil Payne or inexplicably ask me, um, send them in because when Skresky Palooza comes around, uh, we'll get to it. Now, we should clarify that Gretzky Palooza will be an episode devoted to Brent Gretzky. Brent Gretzky. Not yes. Wayne Gretzky. 100%. Yeah. We will maybe get to him later. That seems kind of like a historical we, situation. Yeah, but we Brent might Gretzky. mention Wayne. We might mention him once. He might come up. He might but just mainly, have to in the course of discussing the league based on ownership yeah. things. But Yeah, right. Exactly. You can't talk about Brent Gretzky without mentioning Wayne, but we're going to try to exactly. keep it to Brent. Yeah. It's like, again, athlete siblings are always fascinating, but we just want to focus on the one that's really drawing our attention. Right. Exactly. This week in hockey, 
fun stuff happened in hockey, Nate, Neil. Uh, do you want to go into uh, some of the fun things that happened in hockey? I know that first I would like you to, you kind of gave like a quiet plug to your GitHub last week. Uh, and I thought that that was like fun, if a little peculiar. I am begging anybody currently listening to this to go to Neil Payne 538 on GitHub. Uh, he has created a, a just a fountain of data, a, a, yeah. a, a fascinating cornucopia that the minute that I cracked open, I felt like I materially understood the fundamentals of hockey better than I did when we were talking to one another. Like this is, this is impressive. You've been sitting on this the whole time. You've got a whole ELO system. You've got, you've running simulations. Like tell me what, what am I looking at? here? Well, I've become a little bit of an addict with this, an ELO addict, which is, I guess, not a surprise. That's kind of the 538 way. But um, I, uh, so I haven't been sitting on this the whole time. I've been adding to it um, like, you know, pretty much every day for the past week. And, and some of it is because we do have this podcast and I wanted to, to have, you know, some resources for us to call upon and talk about and also for things for myself to kind of write about uh, or whatever. So yeah, it's just, you know, I started out with this stat that's called goals above replacement. That's uh, for players that compares players to sort of like a scrub level, you know, in terms of how many more net goals they were worth than, than some, you know, minor league, type low level replacement level type player and so i have that for every season going back to 1943 that's the birth of the original six era uh that's on github uh so check that out i also have elo ratings uh for every team that it's very basic it's just based on like location of the game goals you know goal differential in the game um uh, and and it that is back to 1918 so you can find it's got every game in nhl history in there um updated daily uh every morning when i when i wake up get around to running that code and then um recently i did add the the simulations which are just basically it pulls the remaining schedule from hockeyreference.com from uh today onward and then runs elo through it and does a thousand simulations of the rest of the season tells you how often each team you know wins their division makes the playoffs wins the stanley cup so on and so forth and i think it's kind of valuable especially this season because you know i think we mentioned this on the show uh last week or or sometime that or maybe it was during our preview blowout uh is that we don't really know how good the teams are relative to each other like outside of divisions because every team is playing only division opponents all season it's, it's literally really through cool. the second round of the playoffs so it's got a like great rivalry element yeah play, the teams are really well acquainted with each other by the end of the season it, it, we're already seeing like weird new rivalries between teams that like weren't in the same division before and now suddenly are in the same division and so they're like oh we're gonna play these guys eight times plus the playoffs <laughs> yeah we fucking hate these guys uh, already which is is great for the sport but it's not as great for us when we're uh as analysts when we're trying to figure out you know a team strength of schedule because everything uh especially if you're using just like stats that are contained within the season everything is sort of you know relative to what data you have and and how many connections you can form between teams like across uh, a wide spectrum of opponents and you just don't have that uh in the nhl this season i think i likened it to college football where the teams only played conference opponents until the bowls uh, or the college football playoff and it was like how good is ohio state i mean they've only played uh big 10 teams we don't really know how good the big 10 is compared to other uh conferences and that's a little bit like how it is for the 
NHL North Division and the East and the Central and the West. So it's, I, it's I really Elo fun. is good for it's yeah. it's fun and but I think Elo is good for that because basically it takes the for the preseason ratings. Um, it it took last year's final ratings from the end of the playoffs and reverted them to the mean. So it sort of has this like rolling aspect where we sort of, yes, there was player movement over the off season and all these things, but at least we have like some baseline understanding that the, uh, the lightning are better than the red wings for instance and, and so uh maybe maybe that's a bad comparison because they are in the same division so uh, and in fact they played um earlier today and the lightning boat raced the red wings and were up three nothing within five minutes but that's neither here nor there uh the senators compared with the lightning we'll just say that <laughs> senators they're in the north division they only play the other canadian teams so uh you, you might not have a great sense of how good they are relative to other teams uh except like senators bad lightning good but this helps you get a little bit more of a refined uh view of that and so then that feeds into the odds for the remainder of the season and then when they do finally converge by season's end in the third round of the playoffs we'll we'll actually have a better sense of how good each team is without having to have them play each other during the the season i'm really like I'm really enjoying like at the beginning I was like had a little bit of trepidation about that just because I thought it was very like it it would be probably like an issue of just like oh is one playing minor league ball and is the other playing major league ball but I think that it's really fun just because it's like it's almost like kind of like the World Cup where like a team will come in looking like hot shit and then just get leveled by Spain and all of a sudden you're just like oh wait a minute like a little bit of dilated expectations there and so I don't know it it's like it is like the uncertainty of that, of just like, we don't know how they're going to play against each other. All, all that matters is one division. And then it's like, they go up to counties and then see how it goes. Like, it's really fun. Yeah, it is. It's a little like high school level. Um, and, and for the world cup comparison, you know, in the group stage, they play, uh, only, what is it? Like three matches, uh, a piece given the way that COVID postponements are in the NHL right now, maybe they'll, uh, only play a few more than, than the world <laughs> cup teams play in the, uh, group stage, uh, the way things are going right now. But, uh, uh, that's another conversation for that's another funny. time. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. A little depressing with, humor. A little, little dark humor. Depressing humor. Um, the, you know, a number of teams have had issues, uh, you know, on and off the ice. Let's talk about the on the ice the things because we want to talk about the top five and the bottom five. It is more fun to start with the bottom and then go up to the top, I think. So do you want to talk about the bottom five first? Yeah. So the bottom five in ELO, and I think we'll, we'll revisit this on a semi-regular basis to, uh, the, the ratings don't tend to change that much. And again, they are sort of grounded in, in, um, last, uh, year, uh, still at this point in the season, uh, but they have a box. In the penalty box right now, I'll go in in inverted order. So this does not include the game earlier this afternoon. I'll I'll, I'll just, spoiler alert, it won't change anything. Uh, Number 31, we have the Detroit Red Wings. They are not good. They haven't been good in a while. uh, And they've started the season with uh, now only two wins in their first 11 games. Uh, And and they uh, are solidly in last place. Uh, Although the Ottawa Senators, who are number 30, the second worst team in the league, uh, they have also they're on a long losing streak uh, of their own. And they have the worst goal differential in hockey so far this season, minus two point four. They're losing by two point four goals per game. In other words, they're allowing four point eight, which is the worst in the league uh, by some margin. And uh, uh, 
they are they've won one of their first 10 games uh so they're the team that's actually the least improved team i don't know what we call that like the team that has lost the worst uh lost the most off of their rating since the beginning of the season even worse than the red wings uh, because the Red Wings have have played down to expectations uh, from before the season, but the Senators have somehow undershot their already low expectations. Uh, number t- uh, 29, third worst in the league, we have the Buffalo Sabres coming in. Uh, they have at various vague times looked competitive, but uh, I think we talked about them a few weeks ago of their many, many year rebuilding project. And so uh, there hasn't been much time for them to move the needle. And there won't be because they are kind of on ice because of covid for a little while um i I don't think they're going to play again until february 8th or 9th or something like that so they'll probably uh, their rating will go unchanged maybe the next time we talk about this um the fourth worst team at number 28 the anaheim ducks uh they have the worst offense in the league averaging a paltry 1.73 goals per game somehow have won four of their first 11 games uh but uh really bad goal differential nonetheless and again a team that uh, came in the league with low expectations and have somehow undershot those and then rounding out the bottom five we have the la kings at number 27 uh and they're a team that uh they've held their own at least uh and uh, even though the fact that they've only won three of their first nine games uh they've gained three points of elo uh over the past two weeks so they're actually in the positive uh ranks uh but still not a good team uh uh, certainly a rebuilding team and far far from the dynasty or near dynasty that they were earlier this uh last decade not this decade we're not in the 2010s anymore yeah that's a yeah do you you remember how 1960 was 40 years ago yep uh anyway um the uh, wait it's not it wasn't oh my god Uh uh-huh um so Several teams, again, some of those were ones that you kind of projected would be having a rough go of it. Some of them a little bit new. It sounds like Ottawa is a little bit rougher than they had originally looked. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think we knew that they would be bad, uh, but they have... I, I don't think that they would be uh, contending necessarily with the Red Wings in this like race to the bottom uh, as as badly as they have been, but... Um, yeah, we'll we'll see whether they can turn it around. Right now, they're uh, in my thousand simulations of the season. I think there were three teams that never won the cup because there's a lot of uncertainty even at this point in the season around you know who might make the playoffs, who might get hot and and go on a run. But the Red Wings, the Sabers, and the Senators were the three teams that never in a thousand simulations even once won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, that's what I was, again. Like I was looking at some of these, and, and some of them are just like a point zero three chance of making the playoffs, and it's just like ah oh, man, you hate to see that. Yeah. Yeah, even this early in the season, you'd think uh, there hasn't been enough time to to reach that level of certainty about one's lack of a playoff appearance. But again, there's a lot of urgency this season. It's a 56 game sprint to the finish. We line. are literally like 20 percent of the way done. We are 20 percent of the way done. Yeah, that's a little uh, sobering to think about. Uh, but it but it does tell you that you know the teams that have looked good so far are probably in good shape and the teams that'll look bad are in bad shape. And we just talked about the teams that are in bad shape. So let's talk about the teams that are in good shape. In fact, let's actually go and talk about some of the teams that are in great shape. Yeah. (laughs) Better than just good. Who's the fifth best team in the national hockey league at this point? Right now, Elo has the Philadelphia Flyers uh, as as that team. They're actually playing oh. the Bruins right now and losing as of uh, uh, the time that we're speaking these words. This is why I always nothing. say statistics are useless. They're useless. 
They're for losers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Flyers uh, have been pretty good in the early part of the season. I think they uh, looked a little bit better uh, maybe like a week ago than they do now. They, they, uh, but they have won a number of games in a row. Uh, and yeah, they, they seem like they're the, the real deal. Uh, so they are coming in at number five, uh, at number four, we've got the Vegas golden Knights, which is, uh, a darling of the, um, the betting markets. I wonder why, uh, <laughs> but they're also a darling of just all the stats. You know, they're, they've been a, a Stanley cup contender for a while. They've, uh, won five of their first seven games, really solid goal differential, great defense that they have, uh, right now. Uh, and so, it's not a surprise to see them at number four, number three, the Colorado avalanche. I think that's going to be maybe a pet team of ours during this season because yeah. they're just enjoyable to watch. Like I said, their their best player uh, or co-best player, their best defenseman, at least is <laughs> literally named kale, yep. which is great. Uh, and his last name is Makar, So it's sort of like you can make a lot of dude. Where's my car rate of references if you wanted <laughs> Speaking of references that were relevant when the 60s were 40 <laughs> years ago. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, the Avalanche, they're, they're a great team. Uh, they, they are uh, really kind of the total package. They have a lot of great offensive players, but then also um, really solid defense and uh, good goaltending. Philip Grubauer, their goalie, has been having a great season so far. So uh, I think they have, the, they have the third best goal differential of any team in the league to start the season. Fourth best. Uh, they're kind of quasi-tied with the Hurricanes at, at about 1.3. Um, the top two are the Dallas Stars and Montreal Canadiens. I think we talked about them a, a, a few, maybe last week. Um, they are not in our top five yet, but they could be uh, at some point, uh, especially Dallas. Week. Yeah, we and talked then, Stars. I like the Canadians. They're fun. It's fun to say go Habs, you know? Go Just Habs. Yeah, go exactly. <laughs> uh, so then uh, checking in at number two, we got the Boston Bruins. Uh, they seem pretty locked in right now. There were some questions going into the season like, oh, are they going to be able to weather the loss of Tory Krug? Is Pasternak going to be ready? Well, Pasternak is ready. He wasn't supposed to be uh, playing until mid-February. He played his first game uh, in the last uh, week. So oh. he has um, he has been ahead of schedule. And even without him, uh, they, they had been getting the job done. So um, they're, of course, perennial. Because Boston needs another uh, a strong winning team. Uh, I they think. just yeah they, they they need this they haven't had one of those in a while so um, especially the city after, needs it exactly yeah. <laughs> especially it's, after it's, this yeah. Patriots season and then seeing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl it's just like you know it's they, they need some healing uh, just, one light dims another rises you know it's, yeah. it's, it's a star is born and it's all that yeah when so. when God closes a door he opens a window um, <laughs> so then and also at number one uh, it's oh, not a we surprise. We got a fight. There's a fight on television. Oh my god! Oh, it's a fight. This is great. Yeah, can't do uh, that. That was fun. Well, Sorry. Just like in normal games, fights just stop the conversation because look at the fight. It, it right, exactly. You, you uh, I think we're contractually obliged whenever there's a fight to to just watch <laughs> it and gawk at it. And you know, at some point, we should um, consult the wonderful site. I think it's like hockeyfights.org or hockeyfights.com. It might be hockeyfights. Hey, organization. Hockeyfights.gov. <laughs> Hockey <laughs> 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 
<laughs> but anyway, the, there's a site that tracks like every fight in the history of hockey and ha- I think has video clips it's, uh, attached to every fight. So that that's going to be worth a data dive for us at some point. Yes. Um, we can learn the ways. Uh, I feel like there haven't been that many fights this season. So, you know, it's kind of a dying, um, dying art, uh, probably with great <laughs> cause. But um you know, it's it's part of the essence of hockey for some reason. We, they've decided that uh, grown men hitting each other with their fists is is a acceptable and perhaps um, still vaguely encouraged part of this game. Anyway, the Tampa <laughs> Bay Lightning, number one team in the league, uh, pretty far ahead of everyone else. A lot of that is uh, residue of last season. They are on one of the best two year runs, probably of any team in history. Um, they tied the, I think, tied the all time record for most wins in a season two years ago. Obviously, they won the cup last year. And uh, any thought that they might regress the mean a little bit after, you know, sustaining some loss in the offseason, those can go right out the window. They won five of their first seven games. Solid goal differential. They look as good as ever. Um, and so that those were our top five teams in the league. And I expect them to be, you know, we're, we're going to see, especially those top four, the Lightning, the Bruins, the Avs, and the Knights, are going to be fixtures in this segment. I think that um, the, those teams are really, truly the 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 quartet of most likely cup winners um, in the league uh, by whatever metric you want to look at. And speaking of whatever metric I want to look at, I want to look at your metric. And so you oh, have... Oh, thank you. You have... So the Bruins, you have about an 11% chance of winning the finals. The Tampa Bay Lightning, you have about an 18% chance uh the and that's a uh, little higher than you might see from the vegas implied odds um so yeah, you know it gives you another <laughs> it gives you another option uh you know i uh I, I would not claim that this could potentially beat vegas like i said it's a simple system but i like simple systems because they give us like a, a baseline that we can kind of explain why things are happening and and slice and dice the data without having it become too complicated and it gives us just you know kind of like a finger on the pulse of what's happening in the league so you heard that it is going to beat Vegas. And if it doesn't, yeah, right. then Politico, Book feel it. free to put Neil on the cover and say yeah. mean things about him in print. Exactly. Uh, you have the Vegas Golden Knights at an 8% chance and the Colorado Avalanche at 8.5. Uh, so those two, you know, I think that that's really interesting just because, again, the two teams that seem to do the... So the two that are in the same division are the Knights and the Avalanche. Is that kind of why they're a little bit splitting the difference there? Yeah, that that probably, you know, if you look at the the overall uh, Vegas odds to win the cup, they I think have the abs and Knights as like co-favorites and then the Lightning and Bruins uh, are a little bit below them. And they might have um, I, I, I forget whether they have like the Capitals seem to be a little bit higher in their uh, in their odds than I have them. I think I've got them at uh, just three point four percent to make the uh, to win the cup. But yeah, I think some of that is like that that vote splitting or whatever you want to call it effect of, you know, uh, one of those two teams uh, add in the Blues. I think there's about a 95 percent chance that either the Avs, the Knights or the Blues win the West Division. Sorry, apologies to the Minnesota Wild out there uh, with their three percent chance of winning the division or whatever it is, four percent. But but yeah, I think that uh, the fact that that division is really top heavy does eat into the chance uh, because, again, uh, only one team 
from that division will make the conference finals. And so one of the, I mean, it's going to be an absolutely epic um, second uh, round of the playoffs uh, in, in the West, I think. And even the first, I mean, cause uh, those two of those teams are going to have to play each other uh, just right off the bat. And that's going to be brutal uh, for, for whoever loses that. Um, so the, I think it's interesting the way that the divisions have shaken out, where some some are really top heavy, some are like more balanced top to bottom. I think the North is pretty balanced top to bottom, aside from Ottawa, uh, who we just dumped on. Um, <laughs> so that one is like anybody's, you know, division to win. Um, I think I have the Canadians as uh, slight favorites uh, to win, but not heavy favorites. I, they, I've got them at forty three percent to win the North, and, and then Montreal at thirty one percent. So it's a little bit more balanced between those two, um, uh, uh, and and uh, even down to like the Flames have like almost a ten percent chance of winning, um, and then uh, yeah, the, in in the West it's just like a three team top heavy beast of a division. Yeah, the we so we know what the top, we know what the bottom is, but like you mentioned that a bunch of these teams are going to be stay fixtures. One thing that we wanted to highlight each week is teams that are kind of on the move. Uh, we wanted to talk about the team of the week, and this team of the week had you know kind of six pretty significantly rebounded from an even record after four consecutive wins. Uh, Neil, who, who is your team of the week and why? Yeah, the team of the week, uh, aka the team that gained the most in the ELO ratings, were the St. Louis Blues, and like you said, they won four straight, uh, and and they have been really impressive recently. Uh, and this is a team that obviously is a known quantity. They've won the Stanley Cup uh, very recently, in fact, uh, just two years ago. Uh, you you might remember the Gloria soundtrack. Actually, you might not, but uh, that was a thing I- for them. Do you mean the soundtrack to the film Gloria, which did come out, I want to say, two years ago and uh, just was a frankly outstanding film? That was just you're, you're just actually thinking of the uh, St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup run. Uh, it's just a, a, yeah. a, a documentary of that Stanley Cup run. Um, That's just right. Uh, yeah, is 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 what that film was. Um, but anyway, yes. So uh, this is a team that you know it's it's hard to say that they've uh, that a Stanley Cup winner, a recent Stanley Cup winner, is sneaking up on anybody. But you know how it is in sports. We like to kind of move on to the to the newest shiny object. And I think the Blues uh, have have really played uh, well recently and shown us the reason why they're still a force to be reckoned with. Um, and they have Jordan Bennington, the great goalie that uh, was, was part of that big Stanley cup run. He's having an awesome season uh, so far and they're just a balanced team. That's that, that's kind of been their MO throughout this whole run is that they, they don't necessarily have like a mega star player. Um, they, they have some names that, uh, Committed hockey fans will know, uh, you know, like your Justin Fox, your David Perron, uh, your they added Tory Krug from the Bruins over the offseason. But really, it's like a, a I like the fact that they're like a team, a collection of, pl- of pretty good players, good players that that are sort of more than the the sum of their the sum of their parts is more than uh, the the whole is more than the sum of their parts. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out the the saying. So the Blues are the the team of the week, and um, again, like as great as the Avalanche and the Golden Knights are, uh, 
the Blues are right there in in terms of their chance of winning that division and making noise out of that division in the playoffs. And I think that that is uh, par- a big part of why it's just going to be such a crazy playoff there. They're uh, eighth in in ELO uh, right now. So they're like right outside of that top five and um, rising quickly. They've so momentum, uh, yeah. they do. You, you always want to have momentum on your side in hockey always want it. because you are moving on ice and there's less friction. So, yeah. you know, whatever direction you're moving, you're, you're going to be more likely to continue moving in that direction. That's just physics. It's it's, it's just physics. I don't know what to tell you. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On that note, I guess I kind of have a question, like somewhat related to that is like, how do good hockey teams stay good? I know that like, how do good football teams stay good? Well, they build around a star player and they manage to make sure that the players have longevity and they manage cap space. Like how do good hockey teams stay good? Is it just like we had a great player and we built around him for a while or is it possible to like, is it a goalie that you build up as you found it? Like what's the situation? Yeah. Cap management is like a huge thing. And that wasn't really a thing uh, when I was growing up before um, 2006. So, you know, they had the lockout. I think we talked about it wiped out the entire 2005 season and they didn't have really a salary cap before then. Uh, It was just sort of, pay what pay, pay as you go you know it's it was it was a little like um going to the new york city public uh library or going to the uh the metropolitan museum of art on a sunday pay, pay whatever you want yeah. uh you you want to pay for the most expensive roster stacked with multiple all-stars you can do that that's fine, fine. Works uh, but but after um after the lockout they put in a strict salary cap that's more it's a lot like the nfl salary cap uh except the salaries are guaranteed that's uh, the only difference but it's a hard cap which is like what you have in um the nfl where it's like you can't exceed it and there's like complicated formulas about like what determines whether you're over the cap or not and like it's averaged over the course of you know the whole season so like you can go over over it for like a day but then you have to drop below it like you know for another day to like make sure it average it's like really (laughs) complicated um and there's all kinds of like is is this contract buried because the player spent uh the majority of his time in the minors or whatever the 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 rules are around that there's so there's a lot of stuff there there's crummy stuff that they do right they leave people in the minors until like a couple days in or something uh, I mean, that's kind of a baseball thing. Uh, that, that's really a thing. Like scummy things is what sports has now come about. Yeah, <laughs> scummy yeah. things trying to screw people, uh, screw players out of money. make a lot of money. That's not going to be good for labor, man. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's, it's, not, it's not a good look uh, when they do that. But yeah, there's all, ki- there's all kinds of weird stuff you can do. And so capologist uh, types are, are uh, I think, uh, figuring, out, figuring that out is like an important part of keeping a team good. And early in the salary cap era we even saw teams kind of struggle with like i remember the the chicago blackhawks they won the cup uh for the first time in um not in not in their history but in their recent history in um 2010 and then they had to let a bunch of dudes go including like their uh, their goal their starting goalie and like their best defenseman and like all these guys uh because they had like uh, you know, not necessarily fully planned on the cap ramifications of having all those guys and, and uh, how much they would uh, be worth the next year. So they had to cut all those guys loose. They ended up winning uh, a couple other cups later. So it was like, fine. Uh, and that's a testament to, uh, to their, uh, their front office team. But that was like the first example that I could think of where it was like uh, a team 
built a, a great team and then they had to like cut off really important pieces of that um, going forward. And I think that that's what we see is like teams are always trying to kind of move on from like, you know, having really onerous cap hits and and uh, managing that. So I think that's like the biggest way that you keep a team good uh, is you are very hyper conscious of not having a player um, make too much. I think in some ways, like if, if anyone makes like a larger percentage of the cap, than um, you know, like a 7 million cap hit or something like that, uh, then you, you have to start thinking about like how we're going to get out of this or how we're going to cheap out on other players uh, around them in terms of positions to build goalies are really interesting because goalies are perpetually the most valuable player in a championship run. Like you can't win without having a great goalie or great goalie performance, but goalies are ridiculously difficult to predict. And Mm. so it's, it creates this situation where it's like, you know, uh, the, the one thing that you need most is the thing that you cannot, uh, reliably obtain. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a curse, man. Of like the, the weird, like, like superstitious, like it is impossible to predict. There's just, there's nothing to do. Like, it's just, wow. That's, that's a lot yeah. of fun. So, so, yeah, so, so you see teams try to kind of cover for that with, with defense and, and trying to kind of, uh, uh, build around teams that, you know, control possession a lot and try to, um, make sure that their goalie is not necessarily put in high danger situations. So you can try to kind of get by without having to pour a lot of money or a lot of like draft resources like if you look at the draft goalies very rarely go super high in the draft to the point that it's like very notable when they pick um a goalie like number one overall or number two overall or something like that and i think that tells you uh about how you know they they view the predictability of that position and whether or not it can become a reliable cornerstone of a team which is say they don't think that it can yeah it's it's it seems boom busty in like a dangerous and exciting way Right. It's exciting for us as observers. We we love that kind of thing. The more boom and bust, the better, uh, I, I think. Yeah, the uh, the that was just like a question that I kind of had, because, again, like when we came into the season, we were like, these teams are good, but we have no idea what's going to happen. And so I was just kind of wondering about how continuity works here. And it seems like it's just as fluky as anywhere else. But yeah. Yeah. And, and like we talked about last week, also, there's a big factor of building chemistry. And so I think that that is continuity probably does matter a lot. Um, similar in the way that they found in football, that offensive lines that have like a lot of experience playing together exceed, you know, that they become uh, greater than the sum of their parts also. Uh, and and uh, you can kind of use that as a way to predict who the best offensive lines will be. I think there's a lot to be said for uh, the, the chemistry and the communication, especially in defense, because like we said, last week defenders tend to be in these kind of fixed pairings and they often cover for you know one defender defenseman will cover for the weaknesses of the other one and they kind of complement each other communication is so important for defense pairings it's like ridiculous so if if you hear especially now this season with the uh empty rinks and and all of that when you hear the players like yelling at each other it's often defensemen kind of yelling uh to kind of let the other one be the eyes in the back of the 
other one's head and kind of uh, communicate <laughs> with them. So it's like a real like that, you know, they need to have that like uh, Professor X style, like, uh, you know, uh, communication, te- telepathic communication. Um, uh, that that would be actually be the best uh, d- defense pairing if you could somehow like telepathically link them. That would be great. <laughs> That's great. So when Elon Musk eventually buys the Seattle uh, Kraken, then, then it'll be, <laughs> um, yeah. Experimental I mean, mind control technology, you know. I mean, whatever. mind control squids. There is a pre- precedence for that, uh, Watchmen. But um, yeah, so I want. So we're gonna get into uh, near to our weird rule of the week. I did want to like you know mention a fun thing that happened this week, which was like I was watching the Rangers play the Sabers. And it was getting like late, like it was a tie. And then they went into overtime. And then uh, the new player, uh, Lafreniere, uh, the rookie, he got his first goal in a game winning overtime score. And that was great. And then you later told me that the Sabres suck, which wasn't so great to hear. But it was really cool to see like a game winning first goal in the league, uh, you know, thing. It was it was fun. You always remember your first goal. So they say I've never scored a goal in the NHL. <laughs> but uh, I can only imagine, you know, my first goal in NHL 94 on the Sega Genesis was just like chef's kiss, you know. Um, <laughs> I will say for Lafreniere, that has been his only point of the entire season in nine yeah. games. He's 19, you know, but it's a little bit of a, a slow start for him. And it's a slow start for the Rangers. Um, uh, I'm sure I, I was sure we would talk about Tony D'Angelo being waived put on uh, you know waivers and and declared to have played his last game for the Rangers I think that that's sort of indicative of the way the season has started because he for all of his personal uh peccadillos whatever you want to call it um he was at you least know, I'm not gonna you you're gonna have to you're gonna have to tell me what you mean by that did he do something bad in public was it on twitter or was it over snapchat you just gotta be yeah. <laughs> all I, of the above i don't know i mean it was definitely uh it was definitely on twitter i mean the the guy is just uh he has a long history of really problematic behavior uh on any and all uh forums and social media sites in in real life uh, and and i'm not a fan of him uh as a human being and and the rangers apparently aren't either and i think his teammates aren't uh and uh, he was the type of guy that they put up with his uh bs when he was playing well and he was definitely one of the most productive offensive defensemen uh which is kind of a coveted player to have um a a guy that scores at that near mythical point per game level as a defenseman you don't see that that often and he's been one of the best scoring defensemen in the league but he's you know showed up out of sorts in camp feuded with uh the team feuded with everyone uh and is you know, just kind of a dick, frankly. And so they, they put him on waivers and said that he had played his last game with the team. And I think the team, uh, is like good riddance. So we'll see whether, you know, where he lands or, um, you know, how that works out for him. Maybe he's already been claimed and I just missed that news or whatever. But, um, I think that his, his lack of performance to start the season and the chemistry issues that he was creating, uh, is kind of, uh, symbolic of how difficult it's been for the Rangers to start the season. And, you know, uh, they're not in our bottom five, but they're not far off from our bottom five. And that's really disappointing given, uh, where people thought they had the potential to be, um, going into the season with the, with the young talent that they have. Well, we are looking at uh, 80% of the season left to go and, uh, yeah, we'll see. Right. There's plenty of time. I mean, what, what do we have there? Um, their playoff odds at right now. We don't need uh, to go into that part. <laughs> it's 19%. You know, it's not bad. I would say that. That's yeah. 
I was like, like that. That was the Giants odd, like a week before the end of the play. Like it's like just true. Like <laughs> before anyone knew who Nate Sudfeld was, those were the Giants odds of uh, making the <laughs> playoffs. A lot of maybe know, maybe after they knew who Nate Sudfeld was. Um, and then the East. I mean, the the East did the the Rangers a little bit of a favor because the Islanders, uh, the Penguins, uh, some of the teams that they would theoretically have to kind of battle with. And we even talked about this in in episode one that you know it seemed like there were a lot of would be cup contenders in that division that it would make things a little clogged at the top. But uh, those teams have stumbled out of the gate uh, by and large. Also the Islanders, the Penguins are both sort of down in their playoff odds. Um, But if you, if you're the Rangers, this is a huge missed opportunity because you know, the devils and the Sabres uh, are not necessarily aspiring to join that top group if, if somebody falters, but the Rangers had aspirations to do that. And maybe they were misguided. Maybe they had overestimated their talent level uh, or whatever, but like, man, this, uh, this is a missed opportunity for them to, to jump into that top four. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. Again, like it is top four, make the playoffs, right? Yeah. In each division. That's doable. I don't know. It's like possible. I, it's, I don't love 19%. it. Nineteen percent. It's not I, nothing. I've taken worse odds, man. <laughs> like, yeah, um, we all have. We all have. Uh, so, branching off of that again, game-winning overtime goal. Um, while I was watching that overtime, I was like, "Hmm, what's happening now? Overtime. What's the deal about overtime?" And so uh, I texted a friend of mine, uh, who, who again, Laura has come up on this podcast before, and she was like, "Yeah, overtime. It's weird. You should ask about it." And uh, apparently, there's playoff overtime, and then there's regular overtime, but then there's not, and everything's just playoff. Like, uh, fill me in. Why? Why do? We, what happens when there is a tie at the end of regulation? Yeah. So in hockey, until uh, until the lockout season again, they uh, when when play ended after overtime uh and and it was like i think initially they made it four on four overtime starting in 1999 i should go back a little further before that it was five on five uh overtime and they just played an extra period uh and then if they were still tied after that then they just called it a tie and they were like there was no overtime before the lockout there was overtime uh but it, it was it more resembled normal hockey and yeah and it was like you know you get a tie uh and you just go home and it's very unsatisfying i guess but whatever (laughs) you get one point yeah you traveled all this way you stayed up late whatever you stayed up later than you thought you would because it went further into the night uh and so starting around like i don't know 99 or so 2000 they were like here's a great idea we'll give teams a point for losing in overtime and then we'll also make it four on four. So it'll be a little more open up to, um, you know, it won't be clogged up and, uh, teams will play for the win and because they know that they'll get at least one point no matter what so they kind of have it, it's literally they have nothing to lose uh because they already have uh a point in their back pocket and, and so then they double down on that more after the um after the lockout and they got rid of ties completely which is great because before then the nhl standings you know like normal standings have wins and losses like two columns and then hockey was like weird because it had a third column for ties but you could wrap your brain around that but eventually uh, from 99 to 04 they had four columns it was like wins losses overtime losses and ties and you were just like what what is this? What does this mean? What is like, what is a good record? I don't even know. So they eliminated that. 
And they said uh, overtime uh, is, I think it was still four on four at that point, but you went to a shootout afterward and there were no ties anymore. And then even more recently, they said, screw it we're going to make it three on three in overtime. So there will be no defense being played. And the, mind you, this is all during the regular season. Uh, and, and then again, if, if there is no winner after five minutes, you go to a shootout, which is also very exciting and very random and inject like a bunch of um, chaos into the game. So it's sort of like the more time has gone on, the more they've decided that like the thing that decides tied games deep into the game should resemble real hockey less and less. <laughs> and but it's like more exciting so i don't i have like mixed feelings about it um but yeah now it's it's three on three and the way they do it i mean usually you have two forwards and a defenseman on the ice sometimes they'll even roll with like three forwards and just be like <laughs> you're not playing any defense here and, and and it's very very exciting um and it's just end to end throughout and they do a lot of changes during it i think the shifts might even be a little shorter because you're you're skating at full speed a lot more. There's there's fewer players on the ice to kind of clog things up. And so it's just like wild end-to-end action that produces, I think, way more. I, I looked at this last year because the All-Star game actually adopted a like all overtime format like uh, not in terms of the sudden death nature of it, but in terms of the three on three, the All-Star game in hockey now like uh, br- breaks up teams based on division and uh, has like a mini round robin tournament and it's three on three and just a shit ton of goals get scored and the goalies are just like useless. Um, and so uh, I looked at it in like shots and goals and shooting percentage and like every offensive metric you could want is up massively when they go to three on three. Uh, and it really is just like this sniper's paradise um and that's fun again like we love goals we love watching goals get scored and so that's the deal with overtime in the regular season and then in the playoffs it's like continuous five on five so there's like nothing different from the um from normal hockey in terms of like the rules number of players it's a 20 minute period so it's like another period but then if they're tied after that they play another 20 minute period and another one and another one until someone scores its sudden death to break the tie. And so most of the time it gets resolved pretty quickly. I think I found at one point that like the majority of overtime games don't even last 10 minutes, much less like a whole extra period or more. But some of the ones will become true marathons and last not one extra period, not two, not three, but sometimes even like four. I think there was even like maybe a five overtime one uh in, in the past couple of years and by the end of that i mean it's like fucking like 3 a.m they're they've been skating out there for like a whole extra game plus <laughs> and it's just like i mean hockey players are great athletes they're some of the most well-conditioned um uh athletes in the world so but but man they are just gassed beyond belief by the end of of those playoff overtime marathons and you're just almost even as a fan like if you dared even stay up for that, you're just begging. Like I've been in situations, um, you know, especially when I was a kid and I was like really, really into like staying up late just in general. I mean, you know how it is. You no, get hopped up, I, 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 hopped I, I, up I, on I, Surge, you know. <laughs> I had that like last week. That's not a kid. Yeah. Like, is like- yeah, right. But like even then, you know, if you're really invested in the outcome, even then you're like begging a team to score like i was big into the dallas stars around like you know 98 99 2000 that era and they won the cup in 99 in overtime 
we can talk about the controversy that was from that. But then in 2000, they went back to the Stanley Cup final against the Devils. And I believe in game five, that was a total marathon. No, no goals were scored for the entirety of regulation. And then like the first like three overtimes or whatever. And so by the end of it, I was just like, I don't care who wins. I don't (laughs) care. Uh, And it was an elimination game also. Like if the Devils had won, they would win the cup, which they ended up doing in overtime, no less, uh, the very next game. But um, uh, I was just like, can this please be over? I'm like dying here. And I was watching it. I was not playing in it. Imagine playing in it. So I think that's when you get into a situation where it's like, I just want somebody to score. I want to go to bed. I'm done with this. Um, uh, So it's sort of like the polar opposite of how it is in the regular season uh, where it's just like, we want this done ASAP and we're going to like totally warp the rules of hockey to make that happen in every possible way. I think that rules and I love every bit of it. And I think that like, that is the best thing that I've like that. That's like exactly how you should like play sports in overtime. You should just like remove like the things that the, the, any connective tissue that holds it together and just turn it into unambiguously what it would be if it was just like a bunch of school kids just shooting pucks at each other. <laughs> like, yeah, well, and, and speaking of removing things, there was a proposal. I think that the reason why they did the three on three was a modification of this, but somebody proposed that for each overtime, and I guess they would still be five minute periods, but it's like you take away a skater on each side for each overtime. So it's like in regulation it's five on five. First overtime, it's four on four. Second overtime, it's three on three. Third overtime, it's two on two. And then it's just one on one after that for the rest of the game. I don't know what that would look like. And I, I, presumably after that, what if what if it was like goalie on goalie? I mean, and the goalies would, had to score on each other. I would like that a lot. Out of curiosity, do you support that? I, I like the three on three. I like keeping it at three on three. Um, and the weird thing is, in in overtime, well, you know, I gotta stop you because you know what time it is. Oh, are we gonna? It's time to drop, drop the gloves. gloves. We're gonna drop the gloves. I think that we should adopt that. That rules. <laughs> the way that drop the gloves work is that each of us will have thirty seconds to make as persuasive of a point as possible, and then after that gloves are off baby anything can go down neil would you like to start yeah i'll go first my argument is just that uh the three on three is like a nice balance between too much craziness and insanity and like normal hockey and if it ain't broke don't fix it i like uh what we have now we've seen it for a few years now and it's exciting and fun Mm. Well, if given that you seed the rest of your time i will happily avail myself of what is yeah yeah you should take what you just that space I think that what you just described is the raddest thing in the world. It's kind of like what I envisioned would be like, oh, yeah, if you go to 3v3, that's great. But then what happens if you keep that going further? And so I think that it accelerates the stakes. I think it's um, I mean, listen, I think that most sports and things and challenges in life would be better if they had the exact emotional cadence of a Mario Party minigame. And I think that what this does is it takes the brave and bold sport of of hockey and takes it just ever so slightly closer to that ideal. And that is my point. So would you stop it, though, at goalie? Like, would you, before you get to the goalies, or would you have it get to goalies? I would say that, I, I mean, like, the goalie isn't the one that you swap out as the last one. The last one is you just have your two best guys on the ice with empty nets, right? Oh, that's interesting. That's that's another direction that I had not thought of, and I kind of would love that. But But what if we did that, but we shrunk the net? What if there's a special one-on-one net? So it's, like, smaller... I know it's smaller than normal. And then do you want to know what happens? 
if that doesn't solve it, then they go to that like that halftime thing that they do where they put a thing in front of the net and if you get it through the little hole, yes. you get a million dollars. But you and have to shoot it from half like the 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 center ice. Yeah, uh, it's zero versus guy. zero. That's what zero versus zero is. It's just the GM trying to hit a puck between a Oh yeah, if it's the GM. And uh if you do it, you also get um like a million extra dollars on the salary cap and you move up by a spot in the draft. I mean, this we have fixed hockey. <laughs> no, it sounds very fun to do the like gradual wind down thing because it definitely just kind of feels like you're cranking up the tension as you go along. But again, the three v three thing was great. It was very fun. It's like it's a good thing to watch. I think that the thing that I keep on coming back to is I enjoy how hockey ends much more than I enjoy how other sports end because in football it's very choreographed. And then again, like the last forty seconds of football can either be like a dude taking a knee and shaking hands with a guy with a bad haircut, or it can be like the craziest thing. And like, I think I like about hockey is like invariably the last 40 seconds are very fun to watch. Like, and, and even beyond that, like, I think that for whatever reason, like they have figured out a really good end game now. And that includes, I think at least what I've seen in the season, the, uh, the way that they handle overtime. Yeah, exactly. And um, there's something great about most games being in that zone that we talked about last week of like team up by one defending or teams tied and they're trying not to go uh, to overtime or whatever. Although teams now, because of the one point for going to overtime, they tend toward perhaps a tacit gentleman's agreement that it's, it's never spoken and it's never even like acknowledged on like a conscious level, but there is research that shows that they have been incentivized to perhaps play conservatively at the end of the third period of a tied game in order to both get into overtime and then both be guaranteed at least one point. And then you unleash the dogs of war in overtime because you know that there's again nothing to lose you can only get the upside of that extra point but you're guaranteed a baseline of one point so it's sort of value of the game increases but with overtime right exactly oh yeah no that's another thing is that the more overtime games you play as a share of all of your games you will automatically be more likely to make the playoffs because you will be playing games that are worth three points to in total between the two teams rather than two points between the two teams if that's not a perverse incentive, no, yeah. uh, a misaligned incentive, uh, I don't know what is. But again, that's something that the league is very much well aware of and very much does not give a shit about. Yeah. I mean, again, like if we if we do that, then at least we can like it is fun to watch. It would be bad if it was not fun to watch. I think like if it was like kind of a chore, which I think that sometimes NFL overtime, at least in the regular season, can be um, just because it's a little bit like, well, are they going to get the field goal or like but like I think that like invariably every minute of hockey I've enjoyed, at least in the end game portion has been a very good minute. Like that, that's been a, yeah. a fun part of the sport. And every minute of overtime is is great. No matter great, what yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of brings us to the end of this week. Um, you know, I think that we also, I like how we've staked out a few future episodes. We're going to have Brent Gretzky Palooza. We're going to have, well, I want to do a whole lockout week. If that's like, yeah, I would like lockout to out week. You, you keep on referring to this event. That's just like, Oh yeah, the event. And, but like, it just, I would like to put that like, get into that because I just keep on hearing about it as like a, a scar on the history uh, of a sport. And as, as my understanding is, it is <laughs> like, it's like a sci-fi show where it's sort of like, we, we don't, we don't fully explain the, the, the day in which the, the machines became self-aware judgment day. 
But like, you know what happened on Judgment Day. Yeah, it's just like we are the leftovers from the lockout. Like, right, yeah. Um, this is great. Uh, so, Neil, uh, I want to plug your GitHub because I know that you plugged it casually last week. But again, there's a lot of really cool shit here. Uh, people should check it out. And where can you be found? Yeah, uh, so I'm, uh, as always, on Twitter at uh, Neil underscore Payne. And the GitHub is, uh, th- uh, let me get the exact one. I'm going to vamp while I look it up. Uh, you are Neil Payne like 538. Neil Payne 538, the digits 538. If you go did there and then you go anything? to the... What's that? Oh, do they mean anything? I don't know. I think it was the, I think it was uh, Bush's margin in Florida <laughs> in, two, in 2000. Anyway... Uh, if you go to NHL underscore GAR, that's goals above replacement, uh, underscore data, uh, it's the only hockey one on there, so you can find it. I, I have some other ones about NBA and WNBA and baseball, which also I would highly recommend people to find. But the hockey one, the NHL one, it now has, um, like I said, the the player value metric going back to uh, the original six era. It has ELO for every game going back to 1918, and, and it has uh, updated odds uh, from simulating the rest of the schedule and that's uh updated every all of it's updated every day unless something weird happens or unless uh hockey reference goes down or unless we have another lockout uh slash event we do not we don't, crossed, we don't we do not uh, we're not baseball here in 2022 come on. yeah <laughs> baseball but anyway uh, people can find that in uh at github and what yeah. about you walt where can they find you uh, I am on Twitter at Walt Hickey. I am an editor at Insider, so you should get your news from Insider. And uh, and I run a newsletter called Numlock News. You should check that out; it's very fun. Uh, and yeah. what's your GitHub? My <laughs> GitHub. I have a GitHub. I think I'm Walter Hickey on GitHub. Hey, uh, it's, it's simple. It's sweet. I think I'm Walter Hickey on GitHub. Yeah. And there's probably uh, some Nick Cage data sets in there. There's a lot. I'm like tagged on a bunch of the old 538 ones that I still kind of get updates on and some of which I had nothing to do with. Uh, Isn't but, that yeah. fun to get those emails, by the way, every time someone ch- changes yeah. one that I, you're subscribed to and that I, you don't remember being subscribed to? I have um, oh, I have the Oscar data on there. That's a fun thing. I'm doing I always I've been keeping up doing the Oscar prediction stuff. And so people go to awards.substack.com. I'm still predicting the Oscars. And, That's and awesome. It's just, just going to be wild. It's great. I like I totally retooled the model a few years back. And like I made it so that it can ad- accommodate the change in the Academy because it's basically like there are more people who are in the Academy who have joined since 2012 than who were in it before 2012 at this oh, year's wow. inflection point. And so it is. A very exciting year in Oscars voting. Uh, so yeah, uh, people should check that out. That that's a fun thing that I'm going to be kind of obsessed with soon. But not as much as hockey, which is my new thing. <laughs> hockey. Guy if now. we could, if we could somehow combine those two, I think um, you know maybe maybe we'll talk about the great the great hockey movies at some point. We can. Uh, Mighty Ducks talk- are Mighty Ducks. They're doing like a reboot. Is that uh, is that something that I've seen? Some kind of like uh, uh, expanded they you are. know expanded universe uh, of what- Mighty Ducks. Sometimes um, a major corporation and a streaming network love each other very much and they need content. Uh, And so what they do is they go to the mines where they keep all the content and then they dust off a hockey mask um, and then they decide to do that. And then you hear very faintly from the caves that they mind it. You hear quack, 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 quack. (laughs) Thank you for listening, everybody. We have been a couple of goons. Rate, review, and subscribe. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 